It's a fake, oh babe. Can't believe, no, no. Please let me know, my girl, if you have something to tell. Funny girl, I know you're so bad. Yeah, behave yourself, honey. Try. The shades of night with the smile guns in your mind. You are listening to Boku No Stop, an anime podcast that left for smokes and never came back. I'm your host, Sybil Arnett, and with me is Matt and Garrett. And today we're talking about Fujiko's Lie, a 2019 OVA in the Lupin Third series. Content warnings for today's batch include child endangerment and kidnapping, a rather brutal car crash scene, absolutely awakening something in a subset of viewers, many, many <laughs> questionable uses of coercive and coerced sexuality, naked kid PG-rated, brutal gun violence, and gaslighting. Also, suicide, sort of. Where was that? You know, the building exploding. I was... I took that out given the actual finale. Yeah, okay. there's the twist. Yeah, but it's it's played as if. Like, it's played very straight till the very end, so. All right. I suppose suicide by explosive device. And potential immolation. Because <laughs> there's a lot of gasoline. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we come in on Fujiko watching a small boy named Gene. And uh, I, I mean, we haven't called it out much, but I, I really like Fujiko's hair coloring here. The the sort of um, like the Like the dew tone, like. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a ombre. Yeah, <laughs> what it is. I, I also like it. It's a good design choice for her. They, they've done it like throughout the show here and there. But like here, it's just very striking because it's a very bright orange and red, which I guess makes sense given a lot of the fire. Anyway, uh, they currently reside in a shack in the middle of the desert, which it feels very Nevada to me. I know we don't really place this anywhere, but it does feel like the American Southwest. This is 1000% Nevada or New Mexico based on yeah. the not quite a casino bar we're going to be at shortly. Yeah, it, it's got big uh, New Vegas energy. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> At least. Um, but yeah. She's there in the shack. Uh, well, it's, you know, it's a house. It's a small house, but it's kind of shack-like uh, with Jean's father, Randy. And the pair are on a nearby hill and a Jeep begins driving out towards their location. Uh, inside are uh, two Trigun extras and a chained up albino. <laughs> uh, th that's not a joke. Uh, nope. th it's very... <laughs> <laughs> really are very much uh, that vibe. Uh, the title drops, and then we immediately cut to inside the house where Randy is pouring gasoline on everything and setting explosive charges. Yep, and then uh, the little boy that we follow throughout this whole thing, uh, Gene wants to stay with his father, but Randy tells Fujiko to take this kid and go. You're the only one I can trust. Which, like, rough for that guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Jeep parks outside where we see that the albino is chained to a motorcycle in the back of the vehicle and has his, uh, has his mouth strapped shut. 
um, he's told it's time to work and is allowed to eat some kind of crunchy nut thing off of his wallet, chain, bandolier, food holder thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Fuchiko and Jean head out uh, back to the longest living car in the Lupin series, <laughs> and, uh, which is parked <laughs> under a distant tree and take off quick, uh, quickly. I I didn't look it up i get the vibe of like it's a ford pinto i know it's not a ford pinto but like definitely not yeah it's definitely more sports car-y than that but uh it it is a hatchback um but it it looks pretty sick and yeah it lasts a long time it really does just have plot armor it straight up lasts this whole time without taking any damage it's great Mm -hmm. the albino was named binkum and a photo of the family is held up for him, with only Randy circled and highlighted as the target. Binkum looks like what happens if the ultimate twink tries to be a race queen. Open jumpsuit, bright sneakers, and the weird accessory-laden belt. I was going to call out the sneakers. The sneakers are pretty fly. The the sneakers uh, match only if you count that they are one shade off of the stripe on the white jumpsuit. Yeah, they don't match at all, no. Uh, they look like Asics and they're like orange with blue stripes. Uh, but yeah, they, they definitely look pretty fly, which is unlike the rest of this dude who is just pretty rank. <laughs> yeah, he, he looks like he visibly smells. <laughs> he looks like, um, uh, okay. I've never played, um, Bloodlines, the Masquerade or Vampire <laughs> Bloodlines, but I'd imagine he's like a Nosferatu vibe, like, right? Yes, 1,000% Nosferatu vibes. Yeah, yeah sharp tracks. teeth and all that. Two long limbs, two long fingernails, and constantly has jacked up teeth. And like pale as fuck. It looks like he's got like tribal tattoos on his face. Like the, the coloring on his face is interesting. Yeah, and nothing ever comes of it. No. Uh, the male of the handlers is named Lark. The woman will be unnamed for 20 minutes, but is Carla. And Binkum walks in, sees Randy, and no-sells a gas can being hurled at him. The weirdo then walks over, generates a sandstorm, starts glowing, and urges Randy to fall under my curse. Check out my halitosis. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, look, his breath can't be good. It can't. <laughs> Uh, so Randy reacts to this by fleeing down the hall, tossing bookshelves over to halt the pursuit. He then slaps down uh, his last bomb, pulls out a detonator and whispers, Gene, I'm sorry, before blowing himself and the whole house up to hell. And like the explosion is very well rendered. It's great. Mm-hmm. It like throws back the flunkies who are just kind of sitting outside by the truck. So Fujiko and Gene see the explosion in the distance. Fujiko doesn't look back at all. And uh, Binkim walks out of the fire completely unharmed, which is fucking psycho shit. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, of course, he's not dead. But it's also like, how? That does not make sense when you think hard. about it in the focus of the ending. No, no I mean, not no. a lot makes sense in this OVA in general. <laughs> no, no, it's just kind of a just just you got to roll with the vibe. Yeah, his handlers are displeased that all he has in terms of information is to say, like, hey, he killed himself before he told me anything. And then we hard cut to Hot Jigen. 
Oh, who yeah. is I think I think just <laughs> chilling in or he's chilling at like a table. Um, yep. and, we get a lot of hatless Jigen in these movies. Um, that's what makes him hot is when he doesn't have the hat on. The hat instantly adds twenty five points of schlubbiness. That's fair. Um, over in radio, uh, he and Lupin are discussing um, Codfrey Mining, a South American uh, corporation making billions a year. Um, Lupin is disguised as a waiter, and he bugs the CEO's seat at a hotel and then leaves, uh, followed by the pair listening in from outside. Um, we find out that Randy apparently embezzled half a billion dollars from this company, and the CEO is being informed Lark's team failed to find the location of said money um, with all leads gone in the fire. Um, the only source of information now is trying to find the maid who was with him at the end, uh, being Fujiko. And Jigen uh, takes this entirely in stride. Lupin does a spit take when he hears uh, Fujiko's name. And then both of them leave, deciding um, that they better catch up quickly. So we cut to the bar that Fujiko was going to meet Randy at if he had lived. As Fujiko is gently trying to break it to the boy, I don't think your dad's coming under the shade of the golden bar. Binkum pulls up on a bike in front of the two and goes, Randy's dead. Where's the money? We learn as he chews on more wallet granola that his curse is supposed to compel people to do things. Mm -hmm. He enchants the boy, who apparently already knew where the money was and what the password to get at it is, and nearly spits it out before Fujiko tackles him. They're unable to escape the albino's pursuit, but suddenly, gunshots! And we cut to Jigen, who is hanging out the side of a sports car, uh, with Lupin at the wheel. And, of course, the sharpshooter had nailed uh, Binkum in the shoulder, and continues to not take his sights off of him as they drive up. Uh, as the four leave in two separate cars, so... Uh, Fujiko and Jean get into the, the green hatchback uh, and they leave. Uh, but before Binkin can follow, Lark and Clara whistle to him in the distance. And then we cut to a hotel room somewhere. The thieves are all meeting up and Fujiko feeds the boy some pills and lays him down to rest. Because it turns out Jean has a weak heart. Uh, Randy, the Godfrey Mining chief accountant, embezzled half a billion dollars to fund a heart transplant for his boy. And then also have enough money so that they can live a full life just on the run because they know they're going to keep trying to get that money back from him. Avuchiko uh, is playing innocent about having turned over a new leaf, but Lupin's not buying it. We know what show we're watching, <laughs> what movie, what series we're in. Uh, inside, the kid wakes up and Jigen is sitting there keeping watch. Uh, the boy asks the government for a favor that we don't hear. Uh, Fujiko tells Lupin that Randy's death means that, uh, hey, there's no code. The money's completely gone. And Lupin isn't buying it because he's like, you're still here. You wouldn't just give up this fast. Or you would have left by now if the, it was truly done. Yep. And then uh, that basically just cues in for Jigen to come in to tell Lupin that uh, their client is asking for them, um, setting uh, the whole scene on his ear. Um, so we learn that Gene is very willing to uh, give the code that he admits to knowing, and all he wants is uh, Binkum to die, or 
just to kill the man that killed his father. Um, Jigen is convinced immediately and is like, hey, you know, like uh, half a billion dollars to shoot one guy. Uh, I can't turn that down. Um, and with that, mm-hmm. uh, both men leave the room saying they need to quote unquote get to work, um, dismissively telling Fujiko to watch the kid. But someone calls in a tip to Godfrey that they have seen Jean in the wild, and Binkum and crew are dispatched. Jigen and Lupin take up positions outside a cafe, as Fujiko and the boy wait inside as bait. The whole team is mic'd up, meaning that Lupin can hear as Fujiko tries to sweet-talk the boy into giving up a quest for vengeance, and she can be his new mommy now, and just whisper the code to mommy and she'll make sure you get that surgery. And as Lupin throws out a scrap of paper he found in the trash at the hotel... God damn it, Sybil. <laughs> what? That's... Nah, I'll, nah. I mean, I'll cut I know, in lines from the I show. Just... <laughs> You'll understand I'm just doing the impression. All the past can do is poison your future. I'm here to protect you, so no need to be scared. I'm going to make sure you get the surgery you need. Just think of me as your mommy from now on, huh? Now, the code. Whisper it to mommy. I, 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 I that, believe that, you. No, that is I know. what happens. Mm-hmm. It's just... You do a good job reading it. That's all I'll say. We all know what my side job is. <laughs> and as Lupin looks at a scrap of paper he found in the trash at the hotel, referring to the silver bar... He throws it in the back of his car, and everything goes to hell. A sudden sandstorm blankets the area, leaving the men isolated in the car. They're then immediately T-boned by the Jeep, smashing their sports car into the wall and, like, continuing to drive to try to crush them. Uh, Binkum just walks calmly through the storm, entering the cafe. He tries the curse move again, but Fujiko hurls Jean to the side, telling him to run to her car. And she... Pulls out a gun and puts two rounds into Albino's, into the Albino's shoulder, but he's still unfazed and takes an iron grasp of her wrist. And uh, this is where she does like a full body sweep kick and like hits him in the neck, which he also no sells, uh, leaving Fujiko in a... Um, Twisted position. She's like, it kind of looks like, you know, an MMA when they try to do like the arm bar kind of thing. Like, I like that they give her way more fighting skills in this movie than we've seen her do before. Uh, Some really acrobatic stuff, Uh, but it's not working. So Binkum just punches her through the window out to, you know, going across the street and like practically hitting the car on the other side. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Um, and then uh, once again, we get one really good car chase sequence out of this. Um, Fujiko and Jean get to her car, and then she just floors it over the albino, flinging him into the road. Uh, Binkum then proceeds to just get up and get on his bike and go in pursuit. Um, Lupin and Jigen are stuck to the wall with Lupin trying to call to climb out of the side door as Lark gets sadistic and begins uh, teasing the men, um, Carla has to smack him upside the head and tell him to pursue Binkum as they as he drives past. Um, they do so, and Lupin is able to uh, cling onto the front of their truck. 
Um, throughout this chase, we learn that Gene is an idiot who has not put his seatbelt on at all and is constantly being flung around the car um, through turns and braking and squealing tires. Um, the chase ends the only way it possibly could. Fujiko escapes by ramming her car through a train uh, through a train crossing just in the nick of time, forcing the biker to break uh, his pursuit. The gene thing is wild because someone had to animate and make the conscious decision: this child is not using seatbelts, and he is visibly floating in the air above the seat as she's taking some of these turns. Look, Kiri uh-huh. has a bad heart. Why take any extra precautions? <laughs> he is definitely the dumbest sickly child in anime I may have ever seen. <laughs> so, while he's just sitting there pouting at the train crossing, the jeep catches up. At this point, Lupin is clinging to the roof. And we finally get Carla's name as she is sitting out the side window, cracking a bullwhip at the thief the entire time. Uh, joke's, mm-hmm. on him, joke's on her. He's into it. Yes, he, he, <laughs> he is actually <laughs> teasing her. Ooh, harder. Come on, hit me. But they break at the end and it flings him off the roof at Binkham's feet. He does his curse hoodoo, gets Lupin to throw away his gun, and... Doesn't do anything else because he is out of nuts. Carla forces him to dress his wounds before he can get more, and the trio leave, abandoning Lupin in the street. Jigen pulls up and grabs his pal, who is already starting to do the ah, I've put it all together move. He suggests they take a detour out of the film for a few minutes. I'm surprised the other two don't just kill Lupin there. (laughs) It's very, very stupid. That nobody thinks to do anything like take him hostage, ask him uh-huh. questions. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, it's also the part of like, oh, yeah, remember they had him pinned and they're just like, OK, we can just leave. We could just like continue ramming them and get rid of these guys. No, let's just leave. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a uh, it's a little silly. These are definitely not the best assassins in the world. No, but but Carla has some drip, though. I she looks I like her design. It's really good. I figured that Um, was where you were going with that. (laughs) No, no, no. I I didn't say she had a whip. We already said that. Um, So we (laughs) cut to Fujiko and Jean, who are checking in to a cheap motel after dark. Jean's, of course, throwing a fit about staying in a place like this because he's a child. Um, I don't know why he thinks this motel is better than the shack he was living in, but, you know... Uh, Fujiko uh, proceeds to smooth talk her way into getting a room uh, by uh, fucking the clerk. But uh, we we don't see this happen. Like the, the way this is edited, it doesn't seem like it happens. We, we just presume it happens off screen. Um, I like to assume that it didn't. It doesn't feel like it does because it doesn't feel like any time has passed between like them leaving I mean, he does say, I take my payment up front, but she doesn't turn him and say, hey, wait over here for like 30 minutes. Yeah. Instead, well, then it just immediately like, cuts to them going to the room. There's Yeah, but then there's like the next part where he like he immediately comes back and she's like, don't worry, I'll make it up to him to you. So I assume that it, nothing has happened yet based on that. Also, like the grab later seems like the first time that yeah. she's uh, worked him uh, physically. Um, 
Anyway, she's got to she she has got to suck him off her room. Anyway, immediately after Gina's going, uh, why 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 didn't the guy let us stay here even though we didn't give him any money? And uh, she has to give this uh, like like leave that to the adults. It's not something a kid needs to know about. Um, but Gene begins throwing a complete shit fit, and at this point, the manager is like, I can't fucking ignore this. Uh, Fujiko tries to, um, like get him to calm down and like, you know, he, he basically like immediately figures her shit out, which is like, you're just here for the money. You don't actually care about me. Uh, and so when she's talking to the manager through like, you know, the crack door, the kid shouts, like, she's not my mom. She kidnapped me. And she's like, yeah, I'll, I'll make it up to you later. And like grabs his crotch, which uh, makes him go all blushy and, and be like, all right, fine. All right, kid, be nice to your mom and leaves again. And <laughs> we find out this didn't work. <laughs> yep, that's very true. <laughs> um, we then cut to Lupin and Jigen, who followed up the former's hunch by investigating the shack. Uh, Randy's the shack. Randy burned down. Um, Lupin finds a panel in the floor nobody investigated, but we see nothing comes of this yet. Um, however, uh, despite this, uh, Gene keeps throwing his fit, um, claiming Fujiko is just here for the money, as we have previously stated. Um, Fujiko then lays it out for him in his flustered state as the cops are called on them, basically going, look, you can you can come with me and you can have a mommy or you can just stay here and tough shit. And she's like, there's only really one choice, right? Um, and, and clearly there was a second choice, uh, because the first choice is not, is not what has gone with. Um, because when the manager lets the police inside, Gene is sitting alone on the bed and Fujiko has slipped out through a window in the back. Um, despite this, uh, she does trail the cop car that Gene is then taken into from a distance. Um, just in case and um good on her hunch um the police have brought the boy to the codfrey mining building um thus showing that um the mining building or the mining company has the police in their pocket because of course they do Mm -hmm. um and we end part one here with lupin and jigen listening to some kind of bug and getting nothing outside the ruin check so, part two opens immediately in the parking garage beneath Codfrey. Jean is handed off from the cop, who is openly taking a big envelope of cash from an executive, and Fujiko, trying to sneak in, gets a gun put to her head from Lark. Turns out they have security cameras in this building, and hiding behind mm-hmm. a pillar does nothing. It is the next morning. Lupin and Jigen are heading for the same building, but unlike Fujiko, they came in with a truck in disguises as a cleaning crew. The pair see her car down the block and figure, well, that's got to mean the kid's here too. So in the CEO's office, he tries to good cop uh, Gene saying, uh, you don't want your father to be remembered as a thief, right? Just uh, give back that money and we'll all go home happy except for you with your bad heart uh, and your dead dad. Uh, you know the difference between right and wrong, son. And Gene says, no, I need that. I need to use that money for my revenge. And then the CEO just becomes just begins slopping the hell out of him. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Yikes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's a he's like a 10-year-old, so like I would say eight take a at lot of most. Work. 
Maybe eight. Yeah, I can see that. Um, so Fujiko, who's been pretty mouthy this whole time, uh, even though like Lark has had her in a headlock, he just keeps trying to like talk shit to the CEO. Uh, finally, they say that it's time to wink to wake up uh, Binkum. Wink up Binkum. Just just wake him up. And we discover he just sleeps in a vault on the side of this room as if this would like Akira or some shit. And he's like, he's behind like bulletproof glass and whatever. Actually, it's yeah. just normal glass. We yeah, it's just it's straight up glass. regular glass. That's the funny part. Yeah. Yeah. We find out later. It's a it's a very breakable by bullets. <laughs> That's very true. Look, I mean, you know, you can't spend too much on your assassin holding cell. You got to cut yeah, costs like, somewhere. I mean, like, it's funny because, like, the um, the the nuts are, like, hidden in a uh, safe to the side, like this really hardcore safe, uh, which is also very funny. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, very dramatic. My favorite part of this is that my personal funniest thing that a CEO keeps in their office is always going to be the bears who sing from Duke on the critic. So, Binkum is just equivalent to putting robotic bears on the side of your office, and that's just funny to me. That's fair. I mean, are these are these murderous robotic bears, like in Five Nights at Freddy or some shit? Nope, they are uh, a hillbilly jamboree-style band. Ah, We're the bears who sing for Duke, do-da, do-da. You know, southern people like us have to work extra hard here in New York. People hear the way we talk and just assume we're illiterate country bumpkins. We're the bears who sing for Duke, do Duda, drink and moonshine till we puke. Oh, da do da. Big dumb belching bear. I've I've never watched the critic. I'm sorry. I'm I'm too young to have watched the critic. Well, don't worry. I will have spliced in that scene because I love it. <laughs> Um, anyway, um, blah, 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 curse, blah, 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 dust, blah, 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 gene. Um, anyway, Fujiko makes her move, telling the kid that he has to fight, um, because he's dead as soon as he gives them any info that they want from him, um, proceeding to tell him that, um, you know, that knowledge is power, uh, go Joe, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, and everything then proceeds to go as go to hell as um gene does wake up from the curse um carla and fujiko catfight and they hurl fujiko into binkum's vault telling binkum to kill her first um fujiko is being choked in a sandstorm but then proceeds to ask the question every single viewer had been asking him this whole time um with powers like yours why are you working for this guy Solid question. Um, mm-hmm. She then punctuates this by running one of his hands over her bodily slowly, because of course, um, to to fight the curse, Fujiko must seduce him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look, it works. It, it, yeah, it does, and that's more <laughs> disappointing than anything. Um, I mean, again, she has one skill. <laughs> that, that like barely even that doesn't even work all the time it doesn't even have that good of a track record she has quite a few skills she orchestrates this entire plan and she knife fights a guy okay fair fair okay yes she can fight in this one yes but like she's known for one skill okay let's yeah put it that way. But even then like 
it feels like more of a conceit than anything. I don't think well, this... Because it is. <laughs> I mean, hot take, I don't think this really empowers Fujiko any more than anything else we have watched in this has. She's still not super good at anything. She I wouldn't quite go wins. that far, but... She wins! Kind of. I think this is... I Honestly, I feel like this is the probably more most one of the more successful seduction attempts that she does. Right. Like, this is the most don't. that Fujiko wins, but, like, it is nowhere near as decisive as, like, Jigen or Goemon or, like, anybody else. I don't know. She made half a billion dollars. She didn't leave the kid to die. She cut off everyone pursuing her. And she tells Lupin to his face, you're all eating out of my hand. And he goes, yeah, we are. She wins. No, she she definitely, this one's an, I want to say this one is the unqualified win, except that, I I mean... it, it feels like most of the seduction work happens off camera, right? Like we don't see her ingratiate herself with uh, with the accountant dude who, who's dead. Uh, and I, I honestly, this one works more than the others. Now, granted, like I feel like if this were not the movie, if this were like the show, like she would have just banged him off screen <laughs> or like banged him in the middle of this fight. Yeah, <laughs> it would yeah. have been very funny. And it would have been um, on screen in the show. Right, it would have been well. You know what I mean. Like it, it wouldn't. It would. Everyone would be the CEO would be like, "What do you put your dick back, man? Just kill her." <laughs> I, I don't know. My take is like uh, I, I know it's supposed to be played as like Fujiko had all of this set up all along, but like I watched the rest of this. She gets thrown through multiple windows. <laughs> anyway, I, I feel like this this one. This time she gets at least enough of a uh hesitation out of the dude for in this moment that right. she's able to get her get away. Right. Which yeah, is what she, she needed to do. Yeah, her her superpower of seducing Binkum is successful. And then the the CEO screams at him, um, saying that he was bought for only one purpose and what kind of assassin can't kill a unarmed woman. So Carla then puts on a gas mask and heads into the vault, whip in hand, because nothing is going according to plan anymore. And then Lupin and Jigen come in, shoot out the glass, and whip out an industrial fan to spread dust all throughout the room. At this point, everything in Codfrey's control is lost. Binkum is just standing and staring at this, really considering his position in things, not moving to stop anyone. Uh, Gene frantically searches in his room for his backpack, and Fujiko's like, "What? Why do you need this for anything?" And uh, uh, well, he finds it. There's a picture of him and his father in there, and so they grab the bag, and she grabs a, a few stacks of cash. Because I don't know, did we mention the giant stack of cash? In the we room? didn't mention the giant stack of cash. It's part of the big CEO speech. Yeah, he's like, "Here's five million dollars in cash, just here." And like, this is nothing, but $500,000, 500, you know, half a billion dollars. That's a lot. But anyway, so Fujiko grabs some cash so she doesn't have to sleep all her way through the rest of the last few scenes, I guess. Uh, and uh, so all four of them climb into a grate and uh, escape in Fujiko's vehicle since uh, they're uh, cr- the cleaning truck 
you know, they've, they'll be caught. They'll be chased out if they do with the truck, even though they should be able to recognize the green car. But you would it's think, a faster but vehicle, but it's, don't it's worry about it. It's the plot device car. It's mm-hmm. the plot device car. Uh, but then they split up again when Fujiko refuses to let them into a upscale hotel that she uh, takes out a room out in with Jean. Yep. Um, what follows then is definitely something that gave some viewers Oedipal uh, vibes. Um, we won't we won't dive into the shared bathing uh, mommy scene, quote unquote. Um, not other hot take uh, going against the notes. There's there isn't really anything to go into there. It's just kind of there. Honestly, I feel like it's way more tasteful than I would have expected out of this show. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's fine. <laughs> There's like yeah. there isn't I mean, anything like, that I'm like I'm like this is like multiple the, the, red flags. It's only like one. I mean, like the the kid and, and like, you know, Lupin points this out. The kid is too young to seduce. He doesn't have any like yeah, right. in fact, this feels it does feel quote unquote more motherly because he's like, I've I've never done this with another person. And he talks about his mom and like he, you know, he doesn't get blushy or anything. He doesn't get flustered. He, he's not even uncomfortable when she like hugs him uh, like he he's just a kid. And like, I think, yeah, they're they're trying to they're probably trying to like be like, ooh, Fuji goes naked and. I'm like, oh, it's just a scene where she's trying to work him uh, in, but trying to do so less in a seduction seduction and more of a like, I'm your new mother now. I'm going to treat you like a mother would. Right. Which which basically we find out she's not good at. At least that's my takeaway yeah. from it. I mean, like she she's trying to be a mommy, but she's only good at being a mommy. If that makes sense. Right. No. Yeah, that that's exactly <laughs> correct. <laughs> no, it's it's pretty accurate. It's basically the difference between uh, if you were to let me be a parent or if you were to let me be a mommy. Yeah, no, definite difference in skill set. <laughs> yes. Correct. <laughs> yeah, also, like, there's the thing. I think, like, Lupin, like, says it, like, multiple times. And even Fujiko. Like, Fujiko hates kids, so. Yeah. Yup. She's already working at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. So, like, none of this ever really works. So, I guess that's why I don't see how this gives off the Oedipal vibes when she's clearly not good at it. Well, I mean, the thing is, eventually... I mean, we need this scene because... Yeah, I mean, like, the the scene's fine. Yeah, like, we... Because... To jump ahead, like, 30 seconds, like, you know, Jean ends up trusting her with the information and that that's because she puts on at least a little extra effort in being motherly or at least being, you know, some kind of intimate versus where she was in the hotel room be like, so, Hey kid, where's the money? Can I, can I get to get to the money? And like, Jean right. immediately calls her out. Right. Um, but also There's it probably also helps like, also that Jean, like she just bailed uh, Jean out of a really tough situation too. Yeah. There was a thing there. I, I, I feel like that Jean has like some goodwill built up from being broken out of the the curse or whatever because that does get brought up again here I think, mm-hmm. um, which I think is after um the shared bathing scene. Um, I just then, sped over everything where people were naked under that's that fair. banner. That that's fair. 
I, I have nothing. I have no complaints about how that is done there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did I, a good I job. I, it, 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 they didn't even show the titty. They I listed the it as they did, PG actually. for a reason. They, yeah. they did show the titty. Later, no, in this scene, they don't show. Oh, the yeah, they that's don't. sorry. I got I, I got sorry. bath confused with the actual bath part versus the shower part. Uh-huh. Um. Anyway, uh, so that's going on. And then uh, we kind of cut away from that, and um, Jigen and Lupin are staring at an offshore mansion. Lupin says this is the quote-unquote investment firm of most of Codfrey's profits that are uh, funneled into. Um, Jigen calls bullshit. Um, Both men know a shell company when they see it, and now they have a thread to pull at. Um, both men are pleasantly surprised when they look across the island and see a familiar lumberjack uh, once again wielding two arms, chopping wood in front of <laughs> yeah. a little girl we only saw for one minute prior. Um, if you've forgotten Whoa. or didn't listen to the previous episode, this is Hawk and Lady Sypha from Goemon's Blood Spray. Uh, 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 how did he get his arm back? Uh, clones. I, I assume yeah, that's, we're that's just not cloning. The same Hawk. I guess so. So I guess the other dude's just hanging out. <laughs> no, I think yeah. he's just also a clone too. I everybody's clones now. Um, no, I, well, no, no, because because the the other guy that comes back later is not a clone. Yes, like, Okuzaki is not, not a, clone. a clone. No, no, he's a clone. They just gave him a metal arm to to improve the new version. No, that's that's that, specifically a different guy. That's not from the Assassin Factory. Oh, oh okay. You notice they don't mention there's a bunch of Yale Okazakis. They're like, hey, here's a bunch of Hawks. Here's a bunch of Binkums. I guess it's... that's fair. Yeah, no, it is kind of bizarre. Because, um, yeah, uh, before the viewer, you could say, oh, yeah, they're manufacturing Hitman. And it's like, oh, well, then I guess they gave him a new arm is what I or like they forgot the continuity is what it felt like. It didn't feel like that was a separate dude. Now, had he showed his teeth and they weren't fucking like metal jaws right uh then i would probably be like oh that's a different dude also at this point i'm like how is there not a fourth ova going into any of this part okay we'll we'll cover that at the end we'll cover that get to that i was gonna bring that up too (laughs) yeah there's i have some aftermath notes uh gene hands over the safety deposit box information to fujiko and she turns on a dime making it real clear she's got what she wants and she's leaving she tells him Stay in the hotel room. It's safer here. You're paid up for a little bit. I'll be back in a bit. But both of them know she's lying to his face. Lupin finds her in a bar where she is surprisingly solemn for a winner. She seems to have some regret over this, knowing that the kid is dead meat alone in the world now. And he flashes some photos for her. Turns out Codfrey's funding is going to an assassin factory. Someone's making hawks and binkums and other living weapons. And she just finishes her drink and goes, "Uh, who do you think would win in a battle for someone's soul manipulation? Binkum or me? And then walks out the door. Lupin sits there for a moment, finishes his drink, and says, "Ah, it's no fun to bet when you know the outcome. So... In the car, he turns to Jigen and asks if they want to just get the hell out of town uh, because uh, they're not going to get paid anymore. And Jigen's like, hell no. Like, we want to know what's up with these assassins, right? And uh, that's probably worth something. 
uh, and they know where the answers are. So uh, both end up giving each other crap for uh, getting off on the strangest things uh-huh, and drive off with a grin. Uh, we cut to the CEO's office where he's staring at a photo as his assistant reads the letter it came with. And it reads off uh, the $500 million has a new hiding place. Uh, so come to, and there's a location. And we see a photo of uh, Fujiko, who is naked in front of an enormous stack of cash, like so much that it covers the entire frame behind her. And she's uh, holding uh, stacks of bills over her bits. It's uh, the meeting so place, good. It's, it's, a, it's a really it good fuck good. you. That, that's, that was worth it. That's one of the best fuck yous I've ever seen. I have your money. This is what I'm doing with it. This is how little I can. Such a perfect taunt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, the only thing that would be more perfect if she set half of it on fire or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, pulling a joker, I guess. But uh, the meeting place that she puts on the note is in the wastes south of Randy's ruined shack. And uh, the CEO sends uh, Clara to fetch Binkum. Uh, his cell is still in Rubens. So she just walks in and uh, wakes him up. Um, before she can unlock anything, he strangles her to death and takes the keys himself. Uh, Binkum walks out to get his mission and leaves. Um, only Lark uh, notices anything is off. Um, back in the desert, uh, Fujiko has changed back into her n- normal attire. Uh, no no more Mommy Fujiko. Uh, Binkum mm-hmm. then shows up, uh, downs a nut, and they get down to this um, beautifully animated uh, fight scene. This rules. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it does kind of rule. Um, this fight is taking its toll on both, with uh, Binkum making swift strikes, um, pushing his body to the limit. Um, but Fujiko getting in um, gunshots, and then she like pulls some uh, punching punching daggers from uh, behind her back. Um, when he is when she is disarmed from her gun, or rather, Binkum just like punches the slide off of the gun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, uh, Fujiko's outfit is torn. Um, Binkum is bleeding from the scalp as well as a few other places, and she goads him onto using his curse. Um, at this point, uh, Fujiko sets off bombs that flood the region from under from underground and nullifies the dust. So, she takes a moment and gives a very Lupin-like speech of laying out all the exposition for us viewers who are not operating on their level. She figured out from getting so close to him that his body produces this toxic dust from a South American flower, the nuts, which are dried stamens of the plant, giving him fuel. But, she says, she poisoned him when they got so close in the cell, and now he's her puppet instead. She knows he wants her, and he pauses, and there's a shot that is just the two of them seeing each other's reflection in the eyes, zooming in on each eyeball in the reflection over and over. And he admits he does. He lifts her up and is clearly, we are going to fuck in the desert pose. And she takes this time to jam a blade right through his heart passionlessly. The last thing she tells him as he lays down on the ground, coughing his lifeblood out, 
is this is proof he was human. He was not some machine manufactured. He's just a person, and he was poisoned by her drug, love. His final words are, love, what's that? And he expires on the desert floor. Yeah, this this scene was great. It could have used without the titty flap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like we we were so close to having a a, a a exposed nudity less movie, and they just and the thing is, at the very least, it's to me, it doesn't read as like titilla- titillating at all because it's in the middle of a fucking fight. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also throw out. If there is one time it is appropriate, it is as yeah. part of a very considered seduction for yep. a kill. Yeah, and it, it's not something that happens with the intent of sexualizing her. Like, like Binkham's not like, let me see that titty, and then <laughs> cuts her. Yeah, he's just taking whatever it. strikes he can get on her, and it's ripping up a dress. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, to be fair, also, that, that cat suit has, like, very exposed middle. Uh, like it, it is, you know, it is sexy to begin with. So mm-hmm. anyway, it it, it still kind of works. But uh, back at the Godfrey offices, the CEO is getting more and more pissed off. Uh, they've discovered Carla's corpse. Uh, Binkham isn't responding to them anymore. And now to top it off, Lupin and Jigen are sitting at his desk when he comes in. And... They're like, we'd like some answers about, uh, you know, the assassin factory and shit. And Jigen has his gun. Um, well, he's like, I will shoot you if you uh, do anything about it. And like one, uh, one dude tries to pull a gun and uh, Jigen just like disarms him with a shot and then puts his gun back, you know, behind, in, you know, in his belt. He's like, yeah, we got you. Mm-hmm. And uh, before the CEO can speak up, his head explodes, as does the window, uh, because an enormous round has gone through his head. And everyone else tries to take cover, but only Lupin is bold enough to look out the window and sees Yale Okuzaki, now with a very slick mechanical arm, wielding a 50 caliber anti-tank rifle instead of the 22 he used to be he used to use. And uh Having taken out all the rest of the Codfrey people, he packs up the leave. Yep. Um, and then we cut back to Gene, who's getting more and more ris- miserable as he's locked up in the hotel room um, alone. Um, very aware Fujiko is never coming back. Um, but suddenly there is a knock on the door. He opens it and we cut elsewhere to Fujiko uh, sitting in front of her car in the desert as Lupin approaches. Um, Lupin calls her a bit reckless but lays out how um he was put the he was put in the whole scheme and how Fujiko apparently planned all of this out um and then it is brought um the note from before is brought up that was tossed away earlier that um Fujiko was supposed to meet Randy at um Silver's bar um and Fujiko at that point was already planning to betray him that early despite him uh, despite her uh, helping fake his death, um, we then cut back to how uh, Fujiko took Gene to the Golden Bar instead of meeting Randy. However, she did not count on Binkum being such a talented assassin, nor 
that Jean would try to hire the thieves to uh, get revenge. So during this, we cut back to the hotel room where Jean has opened the door to his to see that his father is there. Ooh, we kind of spoiled this a little, but uh, the two are reunited and are now officially off the radar with Godfrey dead and everyone wanting else and everyone who survived wanting to bury what happened and not mention to anyone again. Also, don't worry about the money. <laughs> uh, Fujiko makes a crack about having every man eating out of her palm of her hand. And, uh, you know, yeah, you know, this includes Lupin, of course. Uh, but then she asks if she can sleep for a moment. And Lupin's response is just, uh, sure, babe, I'll be here. And he finishes his cigarette staring at the desert sky. Now, is it here where he explained where she explains like like I think like her point was that like just the the relief of finding out that you know or at least for um Randy that he risked his son and like did such a stupid thing to try to save his son's life that he'd just be thankful enough to have his son even if he can't afford the surgery that uh, is that is her justification for why she's able to steal the money guilt free yes why don't you just leave him like $2 million? It's fine. <laughs> but then you can't but, do the titty pick. Yeah. The, the 500 million is such oh, a round number. You can't, uh, you can't break it. Uh, uh, Who's going to be impressed. If you say you stole 498 million, everyone's going to go. Why didn't you get another two? Everyone rounds it. It's fine. It's fine. Look, there was $5 million sitting in that other room. They should have stole like another like $100,000 uh, and put, shoved it in the backpack. And there you go, kid. You huh. know what? That might have been it. It might have been that that money uh, in the backpack might have been enough to save him. That's, I don't that's know. True. Let's go with that. When, when there was the escape scene from the, the Codfrey offices, there was that, that $5 million on the table. And Fujiko did shove a bunch of it into the, ba into the backpack before they left. It's yeah. only a few. It's only a few stacks. There's only so much a backpack can fit. <laughs> it's a new heart, Lupin. How much could it cost? Ten dollars. <laughs> <laughs> that is an incredibly Fujiko thing to say. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um. So then we get um the credits. Uh, there's a final stinger after where Lupin uh wakes up to find Fujiko has driven off leaving him asleep on the desert floor. Um, his car is um, safely in the distance. He mutters to himself that uh, she is right. He will never forget about her. And we watch her drive into the sunset. Um, and then the outro theme for this is Innocent Deceiver by um, Takumi um, Iwasaki. Iwasaki. And James um, Shio Shimoji. I, this just sounds like it's um, like a bad David Bowie impersonator. It's definitely the weakest of these three themes. It's the weakest music in this entire stretch, like this, like the show and the three movies. Uh, That's while fair. I was doing research on this, I did find the absolutely dog shit wiki of a certain corporation, which had a very poor transcription of these lyrics, which somehow mistook the word face for bitch. Great. Great job. Did you at least go in and edit it and fix it up? No. 
fuck fandom. Let them <laughs> let them rest in their kingdom of rot. Mm. Anyhow, with that, yeah, these OVAs stop on a half cliffhanger with them never closing the loop on the weird guy at the end of Gravestone, probably the mastermind behind the Assassin Factory, clearly designed to be the final Lupin episode of this miniseries. It probably has something to do with the fact that the Lupin series was left in a minor quagmire at this point. If you watched the end, you might have noticed there was a dedication. Thank you, Mr. Monkey Punch. Lupin Third for Eternity. Fujiko's Lie was the first Lupin project to come out after he died in early 2019. That death, combined with the just-on-the-horizon COVID-19 outbreak, slowed down a lot of Lupin media, and we have had sparse pickings since that year with no TV specials past 2019, only getting back on track in recent times with Part 6 in 2021, pushed through for the 50th anniversary of the anime, and now the not-so-good Lupin Zero currently airing. A lot of very strange side projects have been announced and are going to drop throughout 2023, including the all-CGI Lupin vs. Cat's Eye crossover. Despite this, there is no mention yet of reuniting this team to finish out this set of stories, and the longer we wait, the less likely it seems. That's a shame, because I was like, this would be great, actually. Um, to like close this out, it did feel like a cliffhanger. It's um, so close to the finish line. Yeah, it really is, and it really we do need a a, a Lupin centered story in this because we got everyone else's. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, unless you want to do one about Zenigata, well, I guess a Lupin one would involve Zenigata, so I guess there you go. You do have um, a point. I hadn't considered that. Yeah, maybe we just go Zenigata next instead. Yeah. Bring back Oscar. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's what everyone's clamoring for in 2023. Wasn't there a CGI Lupin movie that, like, looked visually amazing? There was. That was Lupin the First, I think it was called. That also aired at the end of 2019. Okay, okay. Was that good? It's all right. Like, it's, it's very... It was one of those things that's clearly made to try and break it in the West again, where they've only had success. I think discotech getting everything into print and on streaming has done more for it than that movie. Yeah, I guess they tried to like pull a Tintin or something because that's yeah, that's exactly what it was. It was very Tintin-esque. It just didn't have Spielberg's name. That movie was pretty okay. It was. I won't, yeah. I won't crap on either of them. They're perfectly all right. Tintin was actually more impressive than I expected. Oh, a- a- agreed. Yeah, they. I mean, yeah, they compressed some shit and there's like a big like, oh, they should have died there, you know, in the desert or whatever. But uh, they did a good job. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I have a weird nostalgia for Tintin because I my dad had the comics and so I have the comics. Uh, so I used to read them. Uh, they don't they have not aged well, but they did a good job adapting it. Here's the thing. There's there's some good material in the Tinted comics. They're excellent mm-hmm. adventure comics. Um, but we're also talking about a Belgian guy making comics, and sometimes you go to darkest Africa. Yeah. Should have just stuck to going to the moon or whatever. Yep. You know who you don't have on the moon? Tribesmen. 
Not yet. Specifically drawn tribesmen. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, so with Uh, that done, what are your thoughts on these OVAs? I think that for the most part, they are like mostly unqualified wins. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I mean, obviously the biggest, what the fuck is, is the, the big daddy golem thing. That was (laughs) so fucked. That was so fucked up. Yeah. (laughs) Because like, because it's also the kind of thing of like, whew, all right, the bad thing didn't happen. And you're like, they've been doing this for a long fucking time. This isn't the first time they threw a woman in there. Uh, that's why they have the whole fucking glass box. Gross. Um, really unsavory shit. Um, so that's a little bit much, but you know, and you know, the, the titty here was a little weird, but other than that, I feel like this one, this one was solid. It's like, like a half notch below, uh, the Goemon one. Uh, but for the most part, I think these do a really good job of, taking you know get, getting the rapport between the main characters to feel better than it did in the show mm-hmm. uh, like the whole bit here with uh lupon and uh fujiko in the desert like that's a nice moment between these characters uh, like a bit of a moment of trust which of course you know gets betrayed because it's fujiko and lupon um but like you know jigen's there doing his thing and he's good go I, who knows where goemon is <laughs> in this movie um, probably couldn't make it through customs with that sword. That's fair. Yeah, but, Goemon is just being held for an entire week by the FBI. I want that movie. <laughs> I promise you, I am only carrying this for self-protection. <laughs> I I am a uh, traveling entertainer. Let me cut you a rabbit out of this uh, tray for you. <laughs> Yeah, it would have been interesting to see what you wrap the whole cast up for as a finale, but not yet. No, hopefully soon. Like this, this was a much more recent movie than I thought. I didn't realize it was only 20 for what it's worth. It's not like these all came out in immediate succession. They were 2014, 17 and 19 from memory. Mm. Yeah, so I mean. Fingers crossed. Fingers yeah, crossed. We could um, still get something. It's just the whole yeah. Lupin factory shut down with COVID. Yeah. There's That's just fair. so much style on display here still. Like, again, there isn't the psychedelics, but, you know, there's some really great, like, camera angles or, like, camera effects, like, distorted camera effects. That was the director of Redline shoved a car chase into every one of these. That's yeah, true. Fucking, oh, we should cover Redline. Redline is Redline's really good. Redline is so good. Well, we can how do much that of, as one of the bonuses. How much of Redline is there to talk about other than this looks so fucking cool and the soundtrack that, is fire? All the crazy characters. Yeah, that's, that's you talk about it's, the characters. I, it, it's been like a little the, bit the, since the, I've watched Redline. Redline is F Zero that fucks. Yeah. Gratuitous tits, too. Uh, so that makes sense. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Redline is F Zero that fucks. <laughs> it's so fucking good. Um,. I think we should put that one on, a bo- on the bonus list because okay. of the connection to this. I think that makes sense. Yeah. All right. That's two down. Um, yeah. Yeah. Really good. I, I feel like the movies almost justify all the weirdness in the show to me. Like having watched this. Sh- I mean, granted, I guess you could watch these independent of 
the woman called Fujiko Mine and just yeah. have just as good enough of a time. Yeah. Like you don't ha- need any context there uh, from the show to get to here. Uh, there's no there's no mention of, uh, you know, we're German doctors and all that shit. And problematic as it is, I still say that uh, Fujiko operates better as a potential prequel series than the literal prequel series currently airing. That's probably I fair. I haven't that. watched any of that prequel series yet, but uh, the character design didn't look super good to start with. Nobody needed Lupin the Child Especially when he no. steals the heart of young Jigen, who they absolutely met as children. That's so stupid. That is stupid. It's that's, the dumbest. That's even dumber than when they did it in Final Fantasy VIII. Hi-yo. Tish. With that, do either of you want to plug anything, starting with Garen? Um, yes, I sometimes, uh, when the moon's a lie, uh, talk about Common Rider and other adjacent things on journeythroughthedeckcast.com, where at some point where this has now been live, uh, I talked about, uh, Shin Ultraman. Uh, listen, mm-hmm. listen to that. I won't spoil and say my thoughts on it here. Whereas I got spoiled on the whole movie editing it. Oof. <laughs> Rip. Eh, it happens. Yeah, no, I. Speaking of other podcasts, like, one of my favorite moments uh, podcasting was that one time where, uh, on Lightning Strikes Thrice, where they wanted to talk about a spoiler for uh, Lightning Returns at the end of the 13 2 series. And they're like, Matt, take your headphones off. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, wait, he's editing this. He's going to hear this anyway. <laughs> oh, no, we're stupid. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Speaking of which, Lightning Strikes Thrice. It's our JRPG Games Club podcast. We are currently in the middle of Final Fantasy VIII. We'll probably probably be probably a Fisherman's Horizon, the next one that's going to come out at the time of this recording. Uh, we'll be probably recording End of Disc 2 soon. Um, good times. Good show. Uh, it's, it's fun watching Sybil lose her mind slowly over an entire season trying to follow this plot. <laughs> it's um it's a game boy we there, there's more to it there's just more coming i just can't wait i can't wait uh the other show we have another broken no stop it is the premium version for backers only we have just literally this afternoon finished recording death note the series that was wild <laughs> what a fucking mess that was uh but and we're gonna cover uh at least one of the Japanese movies. I think we'll probably cover more than one because uh, they sound fucking wild. They're okay. L, L change the world rules. That's the one I, I'm very, very most curious about because uh, the premise alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, so check that out there. Um, also, I write the occasional guest review on Okazu for Yuri manga or anime uh, right now. Um, we're about a few days out from the next volume of How Do We Relationship Dropping, which means I'm going to be writing another review. So look forward to that sometime in February. Hmm. And if you feel the need to find me elsewhere than this network, you can look at my website, hellscaper.com. Should I have made you a little too horny, you can also reach out to me there for other work. We'll be <laughs> 
What? No. Oh, good. Get your dollar. Hey, I can't say that I'm going to do the fetish commissions on pitchdrop.cash. That would be very, very rude of me. Yeah, and also you'd have to share the revenue with us. Uh, and that'd be... Uh... <laughs> exactly. Much like Fujiko, I'm not cutting you in if I don't have to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So That's we'll be back fair. in longer than two weeks with the first season of Code Geass as our next coverage on this channel. But if you head to pitchdrop.cash, we have bonus episodes coming up in perfect schedule with the normal releases. And we are starting with Lupin Third's most famous movie, a pre-Ghibli Hayao Miyazaki working on The Castle of Cagliostro first. We'll see you then. Peace. Bye.